Boom, rock and roll. Kia ora, everybody. What's up? It is Rebet. Welcome to Rebet Live, episode number 271. Learning a lot. Good day in New Zealand for the Friday. I'm in America. It is Thanksgiving. About to get super fat this afternoon. Hyped about that. Uh, hopefully you're waking up and getting back into the mix. Without further ado today, ladies and gentlemen, uh, CEO, founder of Vine, digital weapon, ROI, online cool stuff. Ladies and gentlemen, Ricky Jack. What's up, brother? Morning, bro. How are you? Hey, okay. Uh, let's Happy jump Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. I've, I haven't. Uh, there's been current no uh, no turkey as of yet, but but being America, I have no doubt it's about to get aggressive later on, yeah. which I'm pretty excited that's, about. That's the good. Um, how this came about for today was the context was last. Uh, was it last week? Um, we were talking about how we'd spend a million dollars today, and you messaged me, and you said, "Oh, bro, mate, if it's ten million, just bring it my way. I'll tell you what's up." And I said, "Well, funny you ask that, my friend, because here we are, one <laughs> week later, and we're talking about uh, digital marketing, uh, whatever we're going to talk about. We're about to get into. Uh, for those who aren't aware uh, who you are, what you do, um, tell the crew a little bit about uh, Vine yourself, and give a quick bit of context before we get stuck into the." Um, the very interesting chat around how we'd spend $10 million, my friend. Go for it. Absolutely. I'm Ricky Jack. I'm the CEO of Vine Digital. I've been in the digital marketing game for probably oh, close to a decade, I'd say, um, which doesn't sound like a hugely long tenure, but I think in digital, it's about as old as you get. Um, so I would call myself a digital dinosaur. Um, I started Vine on the floor of my parents' kitchen in 2016. Um, the reason it was in the kitchen is because my bed was in the lounge. I started with a laptop and a, a mobile phone and I, I went to market with um, just the way I thought digital should be done, which is um, sort of like no contracts, just do good stuff, make good money, do good work for good people. Uh, New Zealand liked that message and it uh, went nuts. So business went massive, um, business went down, learned lots of, me uh, lots of lessons uh, about um, making a transition from being a marketer to being a business person and all that good stuff. Uh, and so where we are today is we're a small team. Uh, small elite team that does good work for good people um and yeah man serial entrepreneur i stole that line from you that's what you call yourself so <laughs> uh when we first met uh do you remember when we first met the day? yeah absolutely that was the asb yeah. hack hack fest. The, the hack, hack fest and i remember we had a quick chat and i was like this dude is on some shit but you were very like oh man, I don't mess with this public shit. Like I'm just like in the stealth man and you had like the black leather jacket on in the corner with James Dean and cool and shit. Um, <laughs> maybe let's say from from then to now, say the last four years, maybe. Yep. What's the biggest shift in, actually I'll ask this. You've been in the digital game for 10 years. What is the journey so far for the masses of how they would think digital marketing, uh, what digital marketing means for them from 10 years ago to today? What is the what's the, yeah. the, the journey so far of dig, digital marketing in the last decade? I think we like the biggest changes that we've grown up. We've been we've been allowed to play with the big boys. So before it used to be like um, you did your marketing, and then there was also a splash of digital marketing, which you kind of knew you had to do, but you kind of didn't really know how, and you kind of just hired some kid fresh out of uni to run a Facebook page, and that was how it's done. Whereas now, I think um, now we would call ourselves. We're, we're the marketers and we do marketing and then occasionally now you've got some spend going to offline marketing so you know you if i said to you 10 years ago let's do some marketing 
cool, let's get in the yellow pages, let's do some TV, let's do some radio. But that was really the only channels that were available. And so you knew what I said. Today, if I said, let's do some marketing, you go, cool, all right, Facebook or Google. You know what I mean? Whereas back then you'd have to say digital marketing to actually clarify. Yeah. So so we've grown up, we've been allowed to play at the, the big boys table. But it's it's flipped though, right? Because I distinctly remember with Frontside four, six years ago, you know, we created in the action sports business um, in 2006, oh, in 2007, the world's first same day turnaround action sports web series on YouTube. Mm-hmm. That didn't exist before. And I knew that something was happening there. And my gut was, I thought that TV would flip to uh, to digital and, and the screen would then shift to, it wasn't available on the phone yet. It was still on, you know, 320 by 240 um, HTML and bed codes into, into websites, which were super yeah. funky and clunky. But, I remember saying, I think that that digital offline activation thing that they need to sort of create is going to become bigger and bigger. And and I'd said from the get-go, you know, every brand's going to become its own media company, control everything from end to end, uh, including distribution. The only variable would be the creative. And when we look at what has happened is if you think of the big TV uh, producers that are now doing online stuff, if you think of all these, uh, you know, TV traditional crew, they have, a bunch of them are all flipping over. And then the the... The, the unknown kind of unwanted stepchild children of digital have now become the golden child. And it's flipped so fast that then all of a sudden you're seeing, you know, people who kind of dismiss digital or social media or Facebook, regardless what, you know, channel within the online sort of space, it definitely has gone that way. So to, to your point, exactly right. Do you feel that now, um, do you think digital is the priority for most businesses or do you still feel that if you're over a 50, you know, 10, $50 million, if you've got $10 million to spend on marketing, where do you think their prioritize? What's their priorities right now? So do this, you feel in 2020? This is a great question. And I think that the, the reason that I very distinctly don't call myself a digital marketer and I call myself a marketer is because if you're a true marketer um, ripping a channel or deciding not to use a channel because you have an allegiance to you know, one of the horsemen um, is ridiculous. You still have to do the best thing by your client and you have to do the best thing by uh, what is right for the business. Now, in terms of, of spending money, mate, it's easy to spend $10 million on Facebook alone if you felt like it, right? It's really easy to just spend it on a channel. But I think, and this is where, you know, I'll answer your question around the $10 million. I think you have to earn the right to allocate your spend. And I think that channel spend is um, it's just a mechanism, right? So you choose your channel last. I think it, people go, oh, we need to do Facebook because, um, you know, everybody's on Facebook and we have to be on Facebook. And I think it's now chances are you're going to end up doing some sort of spend in some way, shape or form on Facebook. But what message are you going to use? What part of the funnel are you servicing? What um, objections are you overcoming in your sales funnel? Um, And how are you going to distribute that? And so the way that I think you spend money is uh, typically uh, I advise people to spend it bottom up. And until you've spent all until you've exhausted the opportunity at the bottom of the funnel, uh, you haven't earned the right to spend further up the funnel. And so, what people who mean bottom of the funnel. So, okay, so if I'm talking about like, um, you, you, so I, I use a little bit of old school language. So, I have this really, um, 
amazing opportunity to be born in 1988, which means I was raised by parents who are traditional. Um, my dad is uh, came from sales marketing. He he now helps you know businesses grow. Um, so I was I was raised with traditional parents and traditional morals and ethics and work hard and da da da. But I was educated by the internet. And so I have all this uh, in interesting uh, knowledge and understanding of how the world and the internet works, um, but with all the traditional thought patterns and uh, models and sales tactics and whatnot. And so when I talk about the funnel, I talk about your traditional sales funnel, your, your awareness, interest, consideration, purchase funnel, right? Um, now funnels are where it's thrown around lots and I, I, I try to shy away from using it. I try and explain what I'm talking about before saying the word funnel because people go funnel, I know what funnel is. I'm gonna switch off now. Um, Rebecca, get some better speakers. You know, I know what a funnel is. Um, but what I'm trying to explain to people is that you have to do that. That's the basics of business. You have to build a customer journey. You have to build your happy path, build contingencies off your happy path, and then you have to feed that path. And that's a real basic business marketing thing that people are just missing because they go they go channel focused straight away. But the channel's mm -hmm. the last step. The first thing you do is you build your funnel. You build your business funnel. You build your customer journey. The second thing you do is you build the experience that you want your customers to have inside that funnel. And the third thing you do is choose the mechanism to deploy and make that funnel efficient. The last part is where you choose your channels. So you haven't earned the right to spend your $10 million budget until you have got those two other things in place. And mm. then you can get to budget allocation. So do you feel that the reason people are jump into $10 million of Facebook ads is because it's, it's, you know, clickbait education for where the, they feel the wave is going, but they don't know how they're getting there or what board they're riding or whatever. Like, do you feel that people are yeah. jumping to this dot, dot, dot by default because that's where everyone else is like that clearly this, this maybe reads into more of the headspace of the decision makers of not wanting to be wrong at this point. So is it fear based yes. leadership? Absolutely. So there's a few key parts in that. I think the, the companies that have $10 million to spend on marketing are typically still uh, an older generation that have that budget. Now, they, they're wise enough and they've been around long enough to know they can't ignore the new technology, but they don't necessarily understand or how it works. And so the budget allocation responsibility has been passed to somebody who doesn't have the business acumen or experience, but is young enough to know how to use the channel. And they go, well, well, Facebook, Facebook moves fast. I know how to use Facebook. TV's dead, blah, 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 blah. TV's not dead. TV's cheap. Mate, you should see what you can get value-wise on TV offline, out of home now. Um, but again, it's it's understanding what well, part of the funnel right, feeding. Yeah. yeah. It, it, do you feel that part, so there's a fundamental disconnect between the headspaces of the decision makers now that is fear-based, but how is most of your balance, Rewind 10 years, you have to try and explain what YouTube is. Now, what's the biggest handbrake in terms of education when it comes to these decision makers and businesses? Like what's the bit that you're having to copy paste a million times, a million times a day? A little bit. Um, probably the main thing I come up against is, is ego, narcissism. When I sit in a boardroom, they go, this young guy, he's he's got one business that's done, uh, you know, 10% of my revenue and, he, you know, he bloody lost it in the third year. What's he got to tell me? 
Um, and it's like, I'll listen to him because, you know, whatever my marketing manager set it up. But there's a little bit of like, uh, so actually I've come, a, I've become a bit of a psychotherapist in ways <laughs> um, to actually s stand in there and, you know, pinpoint and needle people's insecurities and say them out aloud just to break them down enough so that they'll listen. And I go, I'm not trying to get your budget. I'm not trying to steal your money. What I'm trying to do is get you to use it efficiently and use it in a way that's actually going to make a step change in your business. And so mm -hmm. I've got to have those conversations with people. But typically what it is, is they've thrown their business brain out because they don't understand the technology. Mm -hmm. So it's like, give it to the marketing manager, spend 10 mil on Facebook, great. But there's no question after that. It's like, we just trust the digital marketing manager or the man the marketing manager to understand that. But they don't go, what, what did we get for it? Is it possible to track it? Do we know what our return was? How many lead sales did we get? Um, what was our, you know, even just looking at top line metrics, did our revenue change, you know, mm. compared to our spend last year or how we've traditionally spent it? Well, I remember having a conversation with Ben Rose three years ago around uh, in-housing agencies or external. And, he, and one point he said, which was I'd never thought of, which just but you brought me then to now was if you're a team, if you're a business that's big enough to have an in-house production team, you got one creative. That one creative sits in the corner by themselves in charge of everything, opposed to when you, they're surrounded by other creatives, that's actually when the sparks fly and all the rest of it. Absolutely. And this kind of, yep. this, this yep. thing happens. To your exact point, now with digital marketing, it's like, hey, 10 million Facebook, hey, you're the digital guy? Okay, cool, there you go. That one person that's in charge of digital now is almost like that same person now in their own bubble that's got yep. this way stuff and if there is ego and narcissism or whatever on top of it it probably fundamentally makes it extremely difficult for them to ask for help because they're supposed to know right yep. and i remember and they're usually them. new in the company too and so they're looking yes. to make their stamp they're looking to make their and so they fire agencies they bring everything in house and then they change Classic, the yep. thing and come with a brand new marketing message it's like mate take a moment my, my one of my um one of my advisors and the people I respect very much is Simon White. Um, and he's, he always says to me, just breathe, take a minute, take a breath. If you, and he says that if you're a new CEO or you're in a marketing manager, you have a significant team. He says for the first six months, you should do nothing except observe and breathe. So just to, to see where you're at. Sorry to interrupt. Side point. No, 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 no. I, I, I totally get it. I was, I was just going to say back to that point is the, um, we were going to do a, 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 a content conference, right? And we're going to invite yep. all the marketing managers, crew, blah, blah, did this whole thing. And the whole idea of it was going to be kind of this whole Q&A thing. Like you ask whatever, we answer, you know, get a bunch of experts yep. up, whatever. And um, a, oh, very, <laughs> a CEO goes to me, hey, mate, you realize, and this is like, a, a, I'd say like a mentor slash advisor to me. He goes, you realize that's probably the dumbest idea you could have done, right? And I'm like, what are you talking about, man? We get all the prints in the room. It'd be great, blah, blah, blah. He goes, mate, do you think a single one of these people is going to put their hand up representing a brand to ask you what a Facebook a tracking yeah. pixel is going to ask a question? I was like, yeah, man, of course, because we're going to share everybody. It's like, no, no, no. You're not listening, you flipping idiot. If they put their hand up and ask a question, it is showing to every other brand that they don't know what that thing is. So out of insecurity and fear, no one's going to ask shit. Everyone's going to sit there because they don't actually have a safe space for them to ask the actual question. And I'd never thought of it of, wait a second, it's not the person. And then I, so I went back to him and I said, it's funny you, you say that when uh, certain things pop on social or whatever, especially on LinkedIn, the, the most dangerous people are the LinkedIn lurkers. 
where they are all the CEOs, decision makers, marketing managers, brand managers, managing directors, uh, boards. They don't like or comment on anything, but they observe everything. And you won't yeah. see that they've seen it. But the thing is, let's say for argument's sake, you know, Steve Yurkovich from um, CEO of Kiwi Bank likes this epic new BNZ campaign and was just like, that was epic. Shit, yeah, mean. That's not Steve saying that's dope. That is the biggest competitor saying that the competitor is awesome. It's like, oh, I drive yeah, a Porsche yeah. Range Rover. It's like, this is better. And it was funny to your point before about um, uh, leaders being fearful of not, of not knowing. There is, it's almost extrapolated out even more in 2020 because it is, it's not only wins by default, it is the, the setting of where all this attention is. And there's a huge lack of safe education of like, where does the, let's say, where does the, the marketing manager for Ferrari go to learn about Instagram influences in a safe space or to ask questions about yeah. tracking pixels and flipping EDMs or some shit, right? Like, do you think there's actually just an overarching disconnect of the ego, the the leaders and their emotions? Like, is this, I know we're talking about digital marketing, but actually we've just brought up the same thing four different times, which is the yeah. decision makers <laughs> don't have safe space to ask. How is that, um, how does that, does that make sense to you? Does that ring true in the same thing, but we're talking about different things? Where does that sit with you? Nah, that's that's really common. And I think that's the space that I actually like to play in. Um, and it sort of, it comes from what I was talking about, where I was raised with morals and ethics, be kind mm. to people, respect people in their position and experience and stuff like that, but educated by the internet. So like um, the, the whole ethos that I carry is I want to teach people. I want people to learn because I want business to do better. I specifically want New Zealand business to, to do better um, and so I think that that's um, and, and I have seen it I've seen it I, I wouldn't lump everybody in that same basket I've seen some really really humble CEOs um, I, I go to the CEO Institute um, which I really really enjoy now I, I absolutely love the people in that room I'm probably the the most junior person by about 25 years but um, that's the you, perfect you know, room though Absolutely. The the biggest, the most humble group of people um, that I they hang out with. And I learned so much. I'm just like a sponge. And what I found is like when I was first there, I, I just said nothing. I just sat there and took notes and just heard all these amazing things. Um, and then, you know, they would ask a digital question or something and I would open my mouth. And I just saw like 15 people senior pull out notebooks and start madly writing notes. And I was like, whoa. That's crazy. That's crazy. For, of course, like, of, of, of course, they, they may not understand what Facebook is yet. And it was just so cool to be able to mm. connect with uh, people on a level where they're, um, you know, they have humility enough to go, actually, I don't know what this thing is. And that's fine because I'll learn pretty quick and my business will be better for it. And that humility thing is just something that, you know, it's so interesting. We miss it. We're missing it in our business leaders mm. in a country that also, um is so riddled with tall poppy syndrome too you know it's like we're riddled with inhumility but with a false mask of humility mm. so you know so that we don't look unhumble mm. mind blown so like probably three years ago i started or three or four years ago i started doing our therapy and it was out of a complete narcissistic state i was like I'm a genius, obviously. Look at my business. It's gone nuts. Like, how do I become more of a genius or stay at the top of my game, right? My head is clearly, uh, you know, my most valuable asset. Let's go and, you know, see if I can get to understand it a bit better. And all I did was discover that I had a narcissistic hero complex that had an absolute desire for everybody to love me out of my absolute hate and disdain for myself. 
So it was like, and I, I put on this false mask of humility, hoping that if I forced humility um, and acted humble and said and did all the right things, that actually I would become that thing. You know, it's sort of like practice. You practice and practice and practice mm. and you get good at something, right? And so I thought, like, if I did that, then I would become actually humble. But that's not the case at all. So you, you actually have to mm. get to a point of contentness where you're content with who you are, where you are, and be happy with that and be happy with more or less or nothing. And then you can be uh, can get to a state where you're, you're, you're truly humble. And I'm on that journey. And that's hard. I'm a, you know, I'm ADHD entrepreneur that's, you know, got a narcissistic hero complex. It's going to like be going forever. But um, yeah, man, I, I think that Good vulnerability on. is something that's, um, that we could all do a bit more of. Good on you, man. I, um, yeah, a couple of years ago I went to, um, uh, but a friend of mine, uh, Richie Hardcore, um, he was uh, talking Hold about- Hold on, his last name's Hardcore? Richie Hardcore. That's Richie amazing. Hardcore. I need to meet this yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah. Richie Hargo, he's, he's, he's a G. Um, he's a six-time national kickbox champ. Um, like, he's an absolute, absolute machine. Uh, but good, good, soulful, deceptively deep dude. Um, it looked like he'd think he was in, like, some some gang selling, like, meth, and he's biggest hearts of all time and, you know, talks yep. about vulnerability and all sorts of stuff to help young bucks and just, yeah, good, good dude. Um, and he got me onto going. I went through a similar thing where I just, I, I said, you know, I know that, waves in my life are going to become a lot different a lot crazy there's going to be lots of stuff come at me i want to try and decode myself a little bit to figure out where my weak spots are just to be like okay if i was trying to break myself to not be as good as i potentially could be where would that be where's this pain points and it was it was a good um thing to go through and, and mine was um trying to figure out that a driver had for a big one driver for me was which was no secret to anyone was i had a massive insane chip on my shoulder from what the the limits of what others thought I would or could be when I grew up so basically it was this driver of stuff you I you watch me do it stuff you it was very um you know uh confrontational to the past of what they thought I would do you know and then another good friend of mine um uh, movie dude um he said you know you just you need to transition from that kind of prove yourself to others mentality to provide value to the platform, which you now have, because if you stay in that with that energy and that anger of the stuff you to the world, then you're just that old angry washed up dude who just hates on all that shit, which, which brings literally no value to anything. And it's funny because obviously coming from a, a ex uh, snowboard world, you have those older guys that never made it who then were like, Oh man, if I didn't blow my ACL in 95 on the jump, triple jump, I would have gone pro and I would have beat Sean White and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, bro, like that time's gone. Like it's not, you don't want to get stuck in that sort yeah. of space. So, but it's interesting, which loops back around to leadership was, um, you know, you would have remembered um, last year, one of the, I think the best leaders that is exactly like what you're talking about is Rob Lee. And the XMD from uh, IBM, and you know when we were at the Power Moves retreat, so he's kind of yeah. in my inner circle a bit, and um, his energy to listen is, and, and it was funny. We were there on the first night when we did the. Um, for those that listening, we had you know Power Moves retreat, bunch of like you know hundred of the homies all went down to Queenstown, Chatham House Rules kind of silent stuff. I watched him on the first day, and no one really knew who he was like, mm. and we were at dinner and I still remember, and I was sitting next to someone and, and I looked over there and, and they was like, Oh, who's, what's that guy's deal? Like he hasn't said shit like all day. And I was like, 
That's why he's the gnarliest. And he was <laughs> literally, and I just, we looked across and we saw him there just in full. And he was, I think maybe chair of the NZ tech board at the time. That's where I'd got to, to know him and stuff and watching a good leader listen with the other people not having no clue who the flipping dude was, was, was just epic to watch. And then when he finally, you know, got up and had his, had his little shine the next day, everyone's like, holy shit. Like that's the dude. Like, and that's the point to your thing, right? Like those, the great leaders really listen, sit back and they're, they're, there's no, there's no ego with that approach. You know, there's, there's no, um, and I've seen it a couple of times with a couple of people, but he's one that sticks out of, you know, that type of epic leadership who, he would have no problem in a board meeting saying, excuse me, can you just explain to me how influencer marketing works for a B2B business? Like, just tell me, <laughs> you know, just asking those right things. Yeah. Who's the greatest, who are the best business leaders th that you think New Zealand needs more of? Oh, that's a hard question to ask me because I'm like, I'm, I'm unbelievably unconnected. Like I should be way more. I, I agree. <laughs> I, I agree. <laughs> I should have way more like friends than I do, um, but that's what happens when you live in rural Karaka and just sort of have a very slow internet connection. I'm at my parents' house today because the email I got from you said make sure you have a secure internet, and I was like, okay, I need to get out of here. I need to get out of rural Karaka. Um, who who are the business leaders New Zealand needs more of? Um, I honestly believe that the values that um that new zealand rugby holds where they distinctly make good men first and then make good rugby players second um is something that i think new zealand business can learn a lot from which is if we make good leaders first or make good people first and then get them to become uh, business leaders that'll go a long way um so some of the the privilege at the CEO Institute of having the, the CEO of New Zealand Rugby come and speak to us and the line that they take when it comes to um, um, morality and ethics and humility is unbelievable. Any sniff of anything, they put the rugby player right in front of the media, make them publicly apologize, make them do their time, make them, uh, but then the, the best part is they support them on the back end of it. They immediately put them into into therapy, into coaching, life coaching, whatever. They repair their relationships or whatever. Um, and then maybe then they get an opportunity to play rugby again. But they but they just have this ruthless sort of like we will have good people first and we'll have good mm. rugby players second. Uh, and I think that's why New Zealand is so successful at rugby too, you know. It's not mm. that we uh, necessarily have the best individual players, although we probably do have a lot of the best individual players, um, just because the depth of New Zealand. We're not talking about rugby, um, but they because I just think that the culture that's ingrained in that organisation is, you know, we're going to be good people first. Mm. And I, and I think that companies need to take lead on that. Um, one of the things that I did, which I thought was a good idea, and I don't know if it was or not, my staff will tell you, but. Uh, when I started doing therapy, I actually offered it to my team as well. And I said, anybody can do um, subsidized therapy and vinyl pay for half of it. Um, because I believe that self-awareness is one of the greatest assets that a human can have. And if I can have good people, then, um, you know, we'll, we'll be good marketers because we'll be trying to do a good thing. Because I believe that marketing is revealing the true value of something. 
not trying to sell shit to someone under some you know false overinflated headline right mm. it's revealing the true value of something and that's why we do good work for good people if you don't have a good product don't don't even call me because that's the number one thing that has to work first your product or your service right in marketing um yeah the, the the key part on that is you know if they're back to the rugby thing if they're making good people first and then they do good rugby legs it's it's that the priority is that the the internal goodness first and then becomes the external greatness of the output right um yeah. and i think in most businesses that are either publicly traded or if they're large and big that are unfortunately driven by the next quarterly earnings report that short-term thinking usually puts the external at the forefront instead of the internal and just recently i watched a interview of the with the whole foods founder um mm -hmm. getting bought out by uh amazon amazon yeah and they said what was why did you what was the best thing that happened for it or whatever it was outside of the billions of bucks that just rolled into his back pocket. Um, and he said, for the first time, even though we were publicly traded and everything, for the first time we actually got to think and act in the long term, which is what our business yeah. was about. It was the first, that's what the leeway that Amazon actually allowed us was the ability for us to think of not the the next quarter with any shareholders getting pissed off because we discounted rice to get more people to come there twice a week or whatever the thing was. And it was just really interesting, like at the top echelon of the billions of dollars in the world that are rolling around, the winning formula, weirdly enough, goes back to long game, not short game. Uh, well, yeah, 99.9% is short game. <laughs> yeah, I think, and I actually think that that's, uh, um, that quite often we use it as an excuse too. Like we're just like, it's oh, easy. You know, yeah, yeah, like the platforms are changing so fast, we just have to keep up with them. Or yes, the, the quarterly earnings, yeah, I have to keep my board happy and the board's like, we have to keep the shareholders happy. But it's like, well, actually, if everyone just talked to each other and got on the same page about what the goal for the business was, then we could build something that creates that goal. Like if the goal for Whole Foods was to have a giant exit in five years from now where maybe Amazon would buy them, then would they have done the last five years differently? You know what I mean? 100%. And it's like, just talk, just talk. Are your shareholders in on that journey? Like at the AGM, mate, get them out and just be like, we're going to sell this thing in five years. If you What's don't the want day to one thing on. from Amazon, right? It's Bezos' yeah, day yeah, one. Day one. It's always yeah. day one. Always day one. Day one. Yeah. So, so on that, right? If you were to scale your business up to a global behemoth, you're talking about my business or a business? Yeah, like let, let's say yours. Let's say if you, you go to take you and you say, all right, um, Ricky, here you go. You've now taken over, you know, half of the, the top businesses' accounts in the world. Go. How would your headspace be leading an organization of that size? How would you keep it with the same morals and ethics? How would you drive that culture? How, how do you would you scale that culture and the success of what, what you're about to be, I guess, you know, Vine Amazon. Well, first of all, because I um, now am just so very, very clear on what I want from uh, my company and our culture, I wouldn't do that because I think it's really hard. So I wouldn't take on behemoth clients like that. Um, so to answer your question, I don't know. And that's why I haven't because I actually don't know how you would do that. However, if I was to give it a shot, if I was to just like go, this is what yeah. I'd do. Give, give I, it a shot. How would you do it? Yeah, yeah. I, I would try. I would uh, do my best to speak to the um, 
to get in the same room as the business leader and the board um, and sit down and spend a half day with them. Just eat some food, build relationship and learn what are we trying to achieve with this organization. Um, and I'd probably ask questions like, why? What's the end game? Um, you know, I, one of the first questions I ask most businesses when I meet with them is, why do you do this? Why do you sell camper vans? <laughs> what for? <laughs> like, if you just want to make like some good money every year, just go get a job. Like, why are you running a business? Why? It's like one of the hardest ways well, the to make money. Isn't it? The, start, the start with why thing, right? So you. Oh, you absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. The, the ultimate purpose, unless you have a, a purpose or a why that's greater than yourself, then you can, then it can be achieved. And if your why can be achieved, then now you have no purpose. So you have to have a, a purpose that's ultimately unachievable. As an example, mine's to change people's lives through business and entrepreneurship. I can never achieve that goal. I can never hit it and go, did it. You know what I mean? Because there's always more people I can impact and learn from and, and teach and whatnot. So to, to come back to the scenario, um, that would be the first thing. I was like, why are you all here? Why are you on the board of this company? Why are you the leader of this organization? And how can we, how can we do um, what it is that you are, are wanting to do? What percentage of the rooms that you're in when you ask that question do you actually believe the answer they tell you when that in front of others? And the actual reason is maybe they don't actually like what they do or they don't aren't actually per, passionate or driven for that role. What percentage of people are faking their title? I always get it out of them. Um, but I'd say probably 70% of Kiwi people that I speak to are actually okay with being vulnerable if I've demonstrated vulnerability first. Um, so tell a bit of my story say uh, i always mention my failures because that's the easiest way to open up vulnerability i say vine started it kicked ass we did 10 million dollars in our first two years and i lost it all lost everything went to like crazy debt and just like trying to and and, and now we're rebuilding again we're we're a good profitable business now and that's where i want to keep it um and so that sort of like vulnerability is now opened up and said it's it's actually okay not to look like a superstar in front of me <laughs> um and so you know having that uh, leading with that vulnerability means that it sort of opens the gate and makes it okay but i can i can read people pretty well so the 30 percent that do give me some bs answer i just call them on it it's like i'm, yeah, I'm, I'm not, on yeah I, i'm there to I, like my company does good work for good people if you're not going to be a good human in front of me i'm not going to get your business anyway so like i call bullshit on what you just told me <laughs> and like tell me actually what it is and you know i've had couples in front of me um you know where i'm trying to sell to them and i said you you don't need a marketing agency right now what you do need to do is you need to take your wife away for a weekend and discover why your business hasn't moved for the last 10 years is it because you even want to be here and then they just start crying and i'm like oh that's not well that wasn't what i was trying to do um but like so, first, so you've been yeah. in a room to pitch them and you made them cry and then they left uh, and they didn't hire you i actually do that quite a lot because <laughs> <laughs> i'm just sort of like go away hire an airbnb first day don't talk or think about business swim at the beach have some wine cheese you know enjoy each other's company just enjoy each other because i would hazard a guess that you uh, and your partner haven't enjoyed each other for a while because you're always in on business first day do that second day talk about what you want to do as a couple and then decide how the business is going to 
work for you how you're going to run your business not how is your business going to run you um i, did, I didn't realize i, I would that, give advice that to does. any no, I was just so, going to say, I didn't realize Vine, did, that Vine does um, like business uh, therapy retreats, therapy marketing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't. I know enough to get myself in trouble. Oh, yeah. Um, and there you go. so, yeah. Should make therapy, therapy marketing. marketing. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> yes, so good. Love it. But the, okay, should, okay, okay, okay. Well, wait, 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 I'm going to do that. That's yeah. a great idea. Dude. No, this is okay. Okay, okay. There's something in here, right? You got okay. Do you own a Do you own a business with you and your partner? Is life getting tough? Are you stuck in your business? <laughs> is your relationship suffering because of the profit and loss? <laughs> so come with us, Waiheke weekend on the piss. <laughs> yeah, bro. That's great. Yeah, I love actually. Is there okay? Okay, I, I don't. Um, I've never run businesses with 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 my wife. I th I don't think it would go well, but. I can, how many, there must be a shit ton of husband wife combos that do this, partnerships that do it. Like, they're like, most uh, of my clients, most of my clients. Where do they go to unleash and, and, and talk about their shit? Like, where do they, where's the, maybe this might be a new calling for you, mate. I think you've got, you might have something in here. Oh, this is not a new Done. calling. This is my calling. <laughs> like, she, um, she was like, let's go, let's go. <laughs> I, I, like, I can't explain to you the amount of, um, businesses that I go and visit where the business is going nowhere and the marriage is on the edge of divorce. And I'm just yeah. like, like, just get out, just get out, like dump it. What is a 15 year business of just like churning? If you're going to lose your marriage, like if you're going to lose your family, like mate, just dump it, just, like go get a job, reset your, if you're entrepreneurial, you'll do something again. You know what I mean? Sell it. You, there's probably enough equity in a 10 year business and the brand alone. Um, if you're still trading that you could just take six months off and figure out what you want to do with retirement. Hmm. Yeah. I, I remember sitting with, um, sitting with someone and just saying, do you even want to be here? And she's like, and she's like, not really. <laughs> uh, I said, what do you, what do you want to do? She's like, I want to retire. I'm like, why don't you? She's like, well, I've got a business around. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, but if you sold it, you could retire. She's like, oh, I never thought of that. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, I've got a commercial couples retreat. Are you in commerce with your spouse? Get away, reset. I've and got... And just, I've got and, the therapist for it. Where we're on. Okay, wait. And then you on day one, you literally... You, you you split them both up and you have all the boysies go to one side just talking shit on the wives you chuck all the wives on the other side just talking shit on all the boys reset bring them together kumbaya shit you're away laughing so you're going to save businesses and marriages and marriages Honestly, i like that the, the, dude, save businesses and marriages done yeah yeah, absolutely. And, and, no, but save save marriages and your business because it should be prioritized more for uh, the, the relationship, right. not the transaction. Yeah, love it, love it. Save I've, been, I've been watching a bit. I've been watching quite a bit of um of Jason Capital lately. Um, I don't know if you okay. if you know Jason. He's a he's a um social. He's he's got a social presence, but he reminds me of so, he's sort of like a Tony Robbins mixed with Gary V. Um, type. I don't know if it's good or bad. Well, I don't know. I, I quite enjoy his content because he's, I don't know if he's actually a therapist or not, but he's dangerous enough like me to have done enough therapy to think that he's kind of a therapist. Um, so he's like, 
he I've seen him say like when you when you're a two year old, um, and you need to get something out, what do you do? You just chuck a tantrum and then you're good, right? So yeah. he's just like, why is adults that unacceptable? find a quiet room chuck a tantrum get it all out and he's like who wants to do that now and he like grabs some guy and he's just like chuck a tantrum and this guy's just like <laughs> he's like bullshit that's not you getting your stuff out that's you showing me showing the room what a tantrum is i'm like get your stuff out and this guy's just like then he's just like f you you controlling bitch blah, blah, blah. and he's like there you go and then he like whispers Ooh. in his ear he's like it was about your mom wasn't it and he's like yeah i feel so good now <laughs> and oh, it's just like it's, it's just crazy like and then like the people are smiling and then he calls his mom and reconciles. it was amazing so it's real interesting he has a lot to talk about like bioenergetics and it's totally not a plug for him because you're either you either love him or you're just like this guy's a dick bag but like it's real interesting content to watch anyway um, or the the question I'd ask is, you know, if you look through his public history, has he always been doing that, or has he pivoted to something else? And then is is the type of uh, crew that are surrounding him, you know, young uneducated males who see the light of the future shit, and is like, you know, is it that, that snake oilsy shit? But no idea. You've got it's a good point. content. Yep. Hey, but let's go back to it. So we've got the commercial couples retreat, and yep. it's for um, to, to save your relationship and your business. Yeah. Um, coming twenty twenty one. Uh, I'll, I'll be Wait, there. Save You'll be your there. relationship, save your business. Oh, okay. Yep. 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 <laughs> <laughs> it's a really good idea. I think it's bloody great. Okay. Um, uh, Com comment if you'd sign up. We just need to generate uh, leads right now. Com completely agreeing with this. So many couples in business find it hard to balance both. Agreed. Especially this day. year. Uh, kia ora, Ricky Bro. Love listening to this quarter. I uh, do you know who Hina Ray John, John. I don't know who. He, I don't know who he, that guy is. Don't no know. idea. Hin, something, he, looks something bit, with, he looks sketchy. Something, something to do with chicken. um, chickens. Yeah. Something to do with chickens. That's weird. Um, okay, so I'm going to put a note down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Bro, are, okay, are we going to spend ten million bucks or what? Okay, no, we'll get we'll get to that. No, but first we've got no, to try no, and save relationship. Yeah, save we got to. We, yeah, 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 totally. You don't have the right to, to spend ten. Yeah, we don't. We, we don't have the we don't have the right. A couple of commercials weekend. Again, Maybe we retreat, should do episode two seventy one a two seventy one b, and we'll talk yep. about. Yeah, getaway. Okay, um, I'm putting a note down on that. Uh, I don't I think we should call it retreat or getaway. Okay, now what do we call it? Reset conference. No, just so they all turn. No, up. You don't do a you don't do a no, conference no, you, with your you couple. No, you absolutely don't. But if you call it oh. a retreat or getaway, then they're going to be like, they're not going to turn up. I oh, true. Because it's like, we're not going to spend money for that shit. Yeah. Um, if I would have gone on holiday. Yeah. You'll work on branding. Um, so let's get to the $10 million. So we've totally digressed and gone off. It's 2020. Hey. Can I? $10 million. Can, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, um, well, first of all, you don't spend $10 million in 2020. You just like sort of take a year off, really. Um, just relax. Um, if your business isn't going to survive COVID, it probably wasn't going to survive in the long run anyway. Um, big call. Big call, I know. No, no, controversial. But, but. Controversial, but um, I've heard yes and no. Yes, okay, that, that's a gross generalization. No, no, no. no, no. But, yeah, yeah. but there is. Um, a, I'm trying to word my words carefully. There has been 100% many businesses who didn't have the infrastructure. Maybe the product or service wasn't actually good. And this is a great time for them to stop and be like, actually, is this working? No. So, so yep, go for it. Um, oh, Shamim, actually, back in. I help work with the women. Oh, there you see, look, we've already got a team. We've got a team going on here for this commercial retreat weekend. 
couples retreat. So, um, okay, maybe let's start with this for the $10 million. Um, let's ask what type of business, because if I'm selling, you know, like we had, um, you know, the queen of property on and she was selling um, real estate. Yep. Let's maybe go for a, what, what's the most popular New Zealand small business, a B2B service-based business in Auckland? I'd go, I'd go B2C um, high ticket is going to be okay. whether it's, so like a whether what? it's service, selling trailers, selling. There you go. Selling trailers know. from right. uh, Tauranga. I sell trailers in Tauranga. From Tauranga, and it's, yep. Yep. And it's me and um, my business partner, Henaday, Henaday Chickens Johnson. Um, I've got $10 million and I've got, obviously if I've got $10 million to spend, I'm already national. I'm already well known. I'd be like a high equip of trailers. Um, I've got uh, 20 locations. I've got a couple thousand trailers. Um, $10 million so, to spend. Go. Yep. Okay. So first of all, park the $10 million part and let's get your business sorted out. Um, and then allocating the $10 million will become easy. If I just dive into right now to say, oh, you'd put two mil on Facebook, you'd uh, capture you know, a mil a year on Google Ads, da 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 Every marketer and their dog will just rip me apart in the comments and be like, I'd never do that. I'd never touch influencer marketing. Da, 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 da. Okay. So, because there's many, many ways you can skin this cat. So, um, dude, can I share my screen? Can I do that? Uh, I don't I've know. I've never done can. it before. Um, is there an option to do it? Um, or you want to give me a website and I can click it up? Or oh, surely no, you can share a screen, can you? Oh, let's give it a go. Share screen. Sharing screen easiest with two monitors. Share screen. If it does, we'll, 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 oh, here we go. Okay, I've got an uh, I've got an additional stream. Hey, look at that. Oh, here we go. You got that? In. Yeah. Okay, cool. So just real quick, right. right? Everybody knows this, right? You've seen a funnel before. Everybody knows what a funnel is. Um, but I, I think so. The the basis what I believe your basis of your funnel is, is it overcomes objections before the customers have them, right? And these are the main objections or main questions that um, people will have. So I'm not going to spend any time on this, right? This is just like basic funnel stuff. And then how you overcome it with things of your things in your business, credibility, integrity, features, benefits, sales, blah, blah, blah. All right. Um, yeah, yep. Yeah. So funnels remove friction on the pathway to purchase. So um, answering a $10 million question, well, I've already done it. So I actually just Googled a cycling brand and decided to use them. Um, okay. So I'm going to move through it real quick. So the who are you and what do you do? Wait a do? second. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah, 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 did, yeah. You, did you just build this slide deck for the question that I gave you last week? Like you did homework and came no. prepared? No, oh, no, okay. I've been presenting this for three years. Oh, okay, so I, was like, I was like, dude, I don't I've even prepare for this shit. <laughs> I've, I, I've presented to um, uh, for Shopify on behalf of uh, Google um, in Australia, Singapore, New Zealand. I've done the same talk everywhere. So I, I, okay, I preach this for life. Okay, cool. Okay. So um, you can see the three columns here. And those were the three things I was talking about at the beginning. So you answer the questions first. So these overcomes all of the objections. Just moving through it real fast. Like if someone wants a full presentation, just hit me up. I'll send it to you. Okay. The second one is you build your customer experience to match your funnel. So at, at your brand awareness level, your brand mission vision, who are you and what do you do? What's the experience that I want them to do? I want them to recognize a logo, maybe visit the website. I want them to engage with my brand in some way. So either have an emotion that goes, yes, 
I engage with this brand. I engage with innovation, premium cycling products or whatever. Um, then you do it for all of them. Yep. So you can see like, what's the experience you want them to have? Uh, I want them to have free shipping. I want them to have fast delivery. I want them to have updates of their delivery, you know, in some way, shape or form, email, text, whatever, messenger, doesn't matter. We haven't got there yet. All right. Only once you've done all of these things, now do you have the right to choose what channels you're going to put them on? So only now can you start to allocate your budget, right? So you can see you've got your experience, then you, then you choose the deployment of them. And then the budget allocations is the part, this is the question you're asking. The hard work is already done here, down at the bottom of the funnel. But the further up you go, the more it costs to acquire and the longer it takes to convert. So although it might be cheaper to get people in the top of your funnel, it's gonna take them a lot longer to get them from the awareness level down to the purchase or advocacy level. And then it's also gonna, you're gonna have to pay for their interest level and pay for their consideration level, pay for their purchase level, right? So if you can, if you can collect people, ultimately at the bottom, advocacy, asking for referrals, asking to refer a friend, da, 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 that's the cheapest place. And then, and only then have you exhausted that, do you have the right to spend on the next level up? So this is a real, this is a, this is just one of these things. Hi, my name's Alicia. I'll be selling apple pies from 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. for only five bucks. If you would like one, please call me at 9999. And the people on social media, oh, oh gee, I want one. How much are they? Hi, I'd like a pie. What kind are you selling? You know, about all of this, right? It's a joke. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, customers are dumb. So, but my whole thing is like, from my perspective, if Alicia wanted to make a bigger impact or sell more pies, then all of those mediums or mechanisms to buy should be available. She should have sold pies to all of those people and not just been like, oh, dumb social media, comment, read the post, read the post, oh, read my post, read my post. You know what I mean? Changing buyer behavior is the hardest thing you can do. It's, it's, it's hard enough convincing them that you're the best option. Don't add to the complexity by making them buy from you the way that you want them to buy from you. Mm. Um, so all to say, um, I'll bring myself back, is that in terms of allocating budget, it doesn't matter if it's $1 or if it's $10 million, you earn the right for the allocation and then it doesn't actually matter what the size of the budget is. Mm. You could say the same thing. We could do another one and you say, how would you spend a $100 million budget? How would you spend a billion dollar budget? It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if you've only got 50 bucks a month or a hundred bucks a month. If you're a brand new startup, you're like, I got 50 bucks a month to spend. Where would I spend it? Go through that exercise, do that. You'll probably end up finding that you're gonna spend it on Facebook ads if you've only got 50 bucks. That's probably gonna be the easiest mechanism to deliver the experience that's gonna get your bottom of the funnel activity. That's probably what you're gonna find. But you know, it, if you've got a $10 million budget, who knows? Maybe there isn't a big enough audience in New Zealand for trailers to spend $10 million at the bottom of the funnel. I know for a fact there isn't. You're going to have to move up. You're going to have to move up. You're going to have to move up. Maybe you're going to have to move to another country. Got it. So, yeah. It's great. Ten million, so the, the, how, how you spend $10 million? The same way you spend $100. It, well, it's, it's the same same why, you know, if you were a... Um, TV network, what would we be watching if it was a brand, you know, regardless of it's a Heineken or you're selling, you know, um, glasses cases. Um, I want to talk about pricing of current media in 2020. Mm -hmm. 
before you said, you know, TV's cheap as shit now, blah, blah, blah. Is it that not any of the channels are wrong or stuffed or broken? It's just that they're just priced wrong. Is, is this just a pricing conversation or do you fundamentally think that mm. some bits, like what's the most underpriced and overpriced channel in 2020 that you've seen? Oh, underpriced and overpriced. Um, this is a hard one. I think that the the fundamental model of how offline media is sold, I think, hasn't changed along with the age. So right now, if I go and buy TV, I buy, or sorry, billboard, let's say. If I go, I go, I have a $100,000 billboard budget for two months. Um, the media person will go away and send me back a quote because we got you, you know, $500,000 worth of billboard space at an 80% discount. How's that? And I go, why don't you just make it a hundred grand? <laughs> like, like, so there's all these like discounts and commissions and rates and stuff and, and whatnot. And it's a really dirty, yeah, I'm going to get some flag for this one. So I think it's a really dirty space, um, that old agency that plays with big money and there's lots of cuts in there. Um, so one of the things that we did is we, we just made a, a no commissions policy. So we don't take any commissions or rebates or anything from big media. Uh, we pass on any discounts or commissions and stuff we get directly to our client. Um, and, you know, typically that's how agencies make their money. So uh, we, we have from day one said that we'll charge higher fees than you'll pay anybody else, but it'll be worth it. Um, mm. And to prove it that it'll be worth it is you, you don't have a contract. You can get out anytime you want. I'm not trying to plug my business here. What I'm trying to say is I think this is the way that we need to go. And we're seeing a lot more of it. We're seeing heaps and heaps of agencies now to offer free trials, um, do uh, no contracts and all sorts of stuff. Um, I, I became one of those uh, LinkedIn outreach people that, you know, spams people's inboxes. But you know how you always say, like, uh, I've, I love it when you talk about it because it like it spurs me on to make my message better. But when people are, you know, they're like, Hey, Robert, we have mutual connections. I think it would be great if we connected. Join the network. I think, I think there'd be good value in us connecting. Da -da -da. Rubbish, man. My first, my first message to people is, hi, Robert, I won't waste your time. Here's my pitch. This is what I'm trying to sell you. Either you're keen or you're not keen. Fine by me. Like, you know, don't like don't waste people's time. <laughs> CEOs, managing directors, they're they're not they're busy, man. They're time poor people. Yep. Yeah. Did I answer your question? I don't know. My brain is no, no. Uh, no, no, it's, it's great. I was just talking about underpriced and overpriced. What's the oh, biggest right. uh what's the biggest snake oil digital salesman? I know what you want me to say. I know what you want me to say. Is it ClickFunnels? What is it? Uh, no, influencers. <laughs> uh, yeah, you want, me to, you want me to say... No, 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 no. <laughs> no the, yeah. the, the snake oil of like, um, uh, you know, what's the... The decision maker wouldn't know. That's like, oh, actually, I, did, I thought this was way, way, way better than what it was. It actually, then it's not. I just have on the influence side, yeah. I just have a full beef with fraud. That's all. But yeah, yeah, yeah go for yeah. it. I think... Um, uh, it's hard for me to answer that question because I think every channel can be effective if it's implemented to elicit the right experience to feed the right stage of the funnel. Mm. So I think to answer that question, I think all of them can be the biggest snake oil, you know, 
Google was the original Since snake. Selling it. Yeah, Google was the, the original snake oil. Like, we'll get you on Google. We'll get you to First the page top rank. of page one. Well, actually, that's very... Yeah, very, very easy to do. And we used to guarantee first page rankings back in the day, you know. Um, so I, I think any any channel can be a snake oil channel and you can get nothing from it. Um, but that's why that experience and that, that whole funnel activity needs to be built correctly. Um, and budget needs to be allocated correctly. And also you need to, uh, you need to test the ROI of what you've built. Um, to, to your point about influencers, um, I have had the uh, privilege of being involved with a company that sold Instagram followers. And I want to talk to you about this. So um, they don't sell, they didn't sell fake Instagram followers. You can buy lots of fake rubbish, right? You can buy fake stuff, pump numbers, sell stuff. And I think that's wrong. Uh, that's fake. Agreed. Um, but there is, a, there is a way to build engagement, uh, which is reasonably natural, which is by shoulder tapping, right? And we do it on LinkedIn all the time. We go and view someone's profile. Somebody viewed their profile. They go, who's that person? They look at their profile. And they go, I like this person. I'll connect with them, right? Same sort of thing on Instagram. It's a shoulder tapping. They used to do a shoulder tapping service before they got sued by Facebook. And we'll worry about that later. Um, so they, they, uh, I would follow you, right? You would look at, you go, who's Ricky Jack? Who followed me? Looks at my profile and go, oh, this guy likes the same content I like. I'll follow him. Right, so that's a really common interaction, um, and all they did was maximize that and automate that. So I think I think that there is actually a way to to build significant following with significant engagement. But the way you check that is you is engagement metrics are available in Instagram Analytics. So if you're ever buying influencer marketing or you're buying something like that, ask them their engagement metrics, ask them how they got their following. Um, that's a really good question. If they say, oh, it's 100% organic and I just grew it myself over a long period of time, that's a good answer. If they go, I became famous and everybody followed me, morning bells. Well, yeah. it's also when you track the, the um, a bunch of different, um, you know, uh, ways you can see when their view count per day, week, month, year, and you can see different spikes and stuff. Yep. My one yep. particularly, and this is why I'm extremely hot on it and I've been hot on it for a couple of years now, is I ended up in the room with an influencer between the brand and an agency in the middle of the meeting and I was looking and then found out, I was like, wait a second, there's something isn't adding up here. And then they, I, I asked just, Hey, just go stop up for a quick sec. I basically like torpedoed the meeting. Then they went to the lawyers and they add an additional clause in saying, Hey, um, uh, we, t you take full accountability and responsibility for the authenticity of your following and the commercial blah, blah. They'd like put some shit in around it and then it locked it down. And I remember specifically sitting there going, how has this happened? And if yeah. this is, the, this mustn't be the first time this has happened. So where's the bit that's broken? And the, the, essentially what had happened was the influencer had bought a bunch of fake followers. Like I'm talking 50,000, let's just say for argument's sake. Yep. They then had gone to an agency and gone, Hey, I have for argument's yep. sake, say 73,000 followers. Uh, I would like to work with this brand, blah, blah, blah. 
the the agency in the middle is obviously paid on the commission in the middle or for clipping the ticket on the whatever the thing is. If they have a hundred thousand, they're gonna make double as much as if they had fifty thousand. So all of a sudden they're making their margin. There was no sense check in from their side for authenticity. There was no sense check in the middle for this particular agency. There was no sense check on the the agency side that was um representing the brand to go, oh actually, well, we just trust the this creative agent, this um, uh, influencer agency, they must know what's up. It's all good. I have nothing wrong with like, I, I I get so hot on it because it screws the people that are legit. It screws the people that yep. are like genuinely legit trying to do stuff. Absolutely. 100%. It absolutely just destroys their whole business. And that's their livelihoods. That's their rent. That's their whatever else. And I just remember sitting there looking at um, this individual going, you are just a piece of shit. So I, I torpedoed the meeting like 100%. Good. I was like, yo, uh, I don't forget what I did. I basically took the brand outside. I said, Hey, you need to walk now. Like this isn't, you know, so I went through that. They got legal lawyers involved. All I was saying was there needs more transparency to exactly to your point, the, the totally um, authenticity of the numbers, because at the end of the day, in my opinion, it's fraud. If I buy 50,000 followers and then totally. I say, Hey, um, Pantene Pro V, I'm going to be the spokesmodel for you. And I've got all these flipping followers. And then just recently, I don't know if you saw uh, Dan Bilzerian in the States, yep. the big, the big crazy playboy yeah, guy. Yeah. Have you seen like what's happening there? He's now getting sued for putting the the fake numbers in the marketing report and using the marketing to get in, the investors on board because he's saying his reach wasn't as effective as it was, committing a federal crime, which now makes him really in trouble. It yeah. stuffs him. The beef you have with influencers and the passion that you have is the beef oh. that I have with marketing agencies and the same Ooh, passion. Go on, go because I'm just I'm I'm like like marketing agencies they have built this trust with their company for so long that their company just says we have a relationship with our agency and they manage it for us right but the agency is taking commissions and rebates for different channels for allocating spend and stuff like that how is that okay you get a higher rebate or you get a higher commission if you allocate x amount of spend to a certain channel we're, like where yeah, yeah. where have you decided that that is um, the, you know, how have you decided well, that that is the best thing for the business? Oh, totally. But, but like that, that's, I think that there needs to be, there needs to be a body or there needs to be an association that, um, that governs, um, digital marketing agencies or marketing Ooh, agencies. Big uh, there needs to be some sort of regulation of this. Nothing like a kid with a laptop can start an agency and power to them. I did it. You know, go and do it, but like, and, and they can compete and take clients off the big boys, off off yellow, off. I, mean, I shouldn't be naming brands, but you know, off off some of the big players who who have been around a long time, um, and you know, power to them. But it's so easy to, uh, I think it's so easy to like to sn to snake in there and offer offer nothing, and that's why I'm trying. Like, I'm desperate to empower. Um, like boards and directors uh, to demand better digital, demand better marketing. And I, I, the thing I always say whenever I'm sitting in those rooms is don't throw your business brain out because you don't understand the technology. Ask the yep. same questions. What do I get from it? I sat with a lady yesterday um, who clearly doesn't, just doesn't know digital at all, like zero, didn't, didn't have a clue. But she said to me, um, we got we got uh, $5.6 um, ROAS, return on ad spend, but that doesn't equate quite equate to three to one total ROI, including your fees. And so we can't go ahead with you. And I was just like, I am so proud of you <laughs> that you used a 
business your business brain to decide that i'm not the right agency because it doesn't mm. the numbers don't stack up where we've ended up going is we're going to do another free month for her to try and hit that roi so we can get that client so that's where we're yeah. going but um because i want that client i want partners i want business owners i want companies like that that are going to hold their agencies accountable mm. just like Love man it. that makes me more excited than not getting the client you know than getting the client um well, we started with the, the 10 mil. We've gone in many directions, including a brand new product called the Couple Commercial Conference. The Commercial um, the Conference. CCC. The CCC. CCC coming uh, 2021. Uh, we've got some Shiremain uh, uh, is going to be helping us out. We, we'll have some stuff. Um, for those who want to check out your website, where can they go to? What can they do? Oh, just hit me up on LinkedIn or Facebook or something. That's the easiest way to get a hold of me. You can look at my website, but it's kind of embarrassing. You know, the builders like builds their own house the last. Yeah, sort of. It's just vine.co.nz or just hit me up on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm a people v first, I'm a website second. V Y N E. Oh, ironic that the fact that you're in digital, but you're, you're, you're old school as well. It's, I like it. Um, it's, ROI, it's man. Hey, ROI. ROI. I appreciate your time, brother. Um, always good chatting. Um, Stoked to hear that things are rocking well in your world and um, no doubt we'll be linking up with you soon. Yeah, I don't know. Be good, bro. See you soon, eh? Cheers. Have a good one. Later, bro. Chat. Bye. The bro, Ricky Jack, on fire, Vine Digital, uh, ROI. Good banter. Uh, the couple commercial conference coming 2021. Good shit, team. Enjoy the day. Uh, Thanksgiving here. A couple more meetings to smack out, and I'm out. I have to go get fat, eat some turkey. Giddy up. See you.